Hey, Connor, do you think anyone is curious about what happens on our Patreon feed? I'm so glad you asked, Dylan, because I really think they should be. T, they're certainly missing out on the exclusive bonus content that we've been sharing, including videos of our eps with Derek Klena, Celia Rose Gooding, and Jackie Cox. We've also had special chat episodes between just you and me. Listeners submitted Q&As, bonus interviews, and more. And we have even more gag-worthy content coming in the next few weeks. We just dropped our first deep dive bonus episode in our series called Lessons in the Luncheonette, which revisits that diner where small Allison in Fun Home has her own Ring of Keys moment. So now we're sharing our Ring of Keys moments, which is fun because people always ask us, what are they? What are they? And now we have them. And it is just plain goofery. (laughs) Right. So the episodes will drop from time to time, exploring topics, figures, and moments that took us down this road to drama. Wig! (laughs) Also, we're going to be having bonus crossover interviews with other guests and podcast hosts, an ever more track-by-track breakdown with a true Swiftian scholar, and so much more. You'll even be seeing former episode videos dropping, so you can revisit our most popular episodes from year one in a whole new way. What are you waiting for? $5 a month will bring you an escape from the world and into some drama. Actually, it's Patreon. Press play, curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got on the option? No, oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life in, in New, New York, York City. City and the world. Remember when we used to add that in? We'd be like, and the world, but we kind of stopped. Yeah. Anyway, I'm Connor McDowell. And I'm Dylan McDowell. And it is another week of drama. We are oddly making our way through 2021. Who knew? I, I mean, know. this like we said on last week's episode that we recorded yesterday. Very good. It's, it's, it's been a, um, <laughs> that's a little bit like, the um, you know, behind the scenes. But it feels like more has happened in the last week and a half than happened for months at a time in 2020. But yeah. So what, how have you, you know, we famously live in the same house. We talk all day, 24 seven, but Dylan, how are you? <laughs> you know what? I'm good. I'm, I'm a little fired up. I feel as though there's a lot that's going to happen in between when we record this episode and when it actually comes out. So there's going to be a lot that we won't be talking about. I hope that at the time of recording or the time of release, I should say, we have an impeached president for the second time. I and I hope, hope so that he's too. about to be removed. I, I, I hope these things, you know, and we'll see. Otherwise, I'm good. There's, there's been some big pop culture news that sort of let me escape into, because you know, that's really how we've survived since quarantine began, the arts, which is the irony that no one wanted to support the arts for so long, despite surviving off of the arts, you know, with their different streaming services and music and everything. That's big T. Wait, did you see that SVU wants to hire out-of-work Broadway actors? I saw that. I saw that. I think it's remarkable. I also think it's like everyone's such a crossover. So like, how are they going to determine who is a Broadway performer or not? But I love, it's a valiant effort. You know, we had Myra Lucretia Taylor on two weeks ago and she's been on every single law and order iteration ever. So I know let them come back, let people reprise their roles. You know, you know what? I, I forgot to ask her, but I think she, pl- she was on like the same SVU 
like three different times playing different characters, which she was. Honestly, is amazing. I think they should do that in a way with the Sex and the City revival and just have a different actress play Samantha every episode. I would love that, but they all have to be actresses of color. I, oh my God, my friend was like, you know who I want to be? There was Samantha Replacement, not Samantha Jones, like just a new new friend or whatever. Yeah, 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 like the fourth, yeah, the fourth girl. The fourth girl, although the fifth girl is New York. But anyway, the fourth girl could be Anika Noni Rose. Oh, stop. I love her. She's in like the proper age range. Mm-hmm. She she is all she always delivers. Mm-hmm. I think this could be she could be perfect. She could. You know, I I don't know how I feel about the reboot because I'm tired of reboots in general, but I love that it's a new title. Wait, it is? And just like that. That's what it's going to be called. Oh, that's kind of fun. Um, And I hope that they, you know, are actually, um, what's the right word? Not problematic with the writing this time around. Yeah, I know. We watched Sex and the City. Like Carrie is biphobic. And there's just a lot of issues in the original series, but yeah, absolutely. And it, it almost felt like too problematic for when it was even on the air kind of thing. You know what I mean? At times, at times, con- yeah. Con- concurrently, Will and Grace, which also has its problems, was running at the same time. And it, it's just interesting to see, I, I suppose you, you're right with the biphobia, specifically from the Carrie character, but mm-hmm. I, I, I wonder how self-referential Sex and the City will be in this new iteration because it has certainly stayed in the zeitgeist since leaving the air, you know, 10 plus years ago. I mean, regardless of the films, it's on Twitter memes all the time. People yeah. are constantly updating it on Instagram with like role-playing new, I don't know, just different storylines yeah. and it's constantly memed. So we'll see. I don't know what's going to happen here, but I'm, I know. I'm, I'm excited because I, I'm famously on the record, don't like Carrie with Mr. Big. So hopefully she finds a new lover. I don't think it should be Aiden either. I think it should be somebody different. Wow. Well, you know what? All of that aside, we have an amazing, amazing guest today. Yes. Who has been requested. You know, we oftentimes will do these fun little quirky Instagram stories on our podcast Insta and we'll say, who do you want to see? And this guest has come up time and time again. It's true. It's true. The rumors are true. The rumors are true. And I'm thankful for their time today. Connor, why don't you read our guest in? Here we go. So our guest today is a 2020 Tony Award nominee for best performance by an actor in a featured role in a play for creating the character of Gary in Slave Play by Jeremy O'Harris. For his work in Slave Play, he received a Lortel nomination during its sold-out off-Broadway run. He's also slayed on stage in The Rolling Stone, the total bend to the public for which he received Drama League and Lortel Award nominations, the public works 12th Night and As You Like It, Transfers at MCC, Antigone and Ferguson at the Harlem Stage, the Foundry Theaters, O Earth, and more. You recognize him from his film work in Black Klansman, The Kindergarten Teacher, Detroit, It's Kind of a Funny Story, and the upcoming worth his many television appearances include when they see us the good fight the marvelous mrs Maisel, and she's gotta have it he's a musical theater boy at heart having made his broadway debut in the acclaimed revival of hair and the gone too soon lysistrata jones we are gagged to have this superstar on the pod please welcome to drama atu blankson wood Hey, that's so, you know, the fact that I have not done (laughs) theater in so long and just hearing back, oh yeah, I did that. That happened. Oh yeah, that happened too. was really, really nice. I'm like, oh, I miss all those little families and all those little words that we created. But yeah. You've you've done so much. I mean, like 
truly so much and so many things we've seen you in too. I know we've been lucky enough to catch you in a bunch of things, which we'll we'll certainly dive into all of them. Thank you so much for coming on Drama, Atu. Thanks for having me. I'm glad this has worked out. Are you feeling dramatic today? I am not feeling dramatic today. Let me tell you why. <laughs> because <laughs> this last year has been so dramatic that now I'm just sort of like, I am watching the drama. I don't feel the drama. I am witnessing the drama <laughs> and sort of like removing myself from it. You know, I'm here with my little bowl of popcorn watching the drama unfold. I love that. I love that. Wait, and now you're on the West Coast, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Are you in like the LA area? I am. Yeah. I'm in like, I'm pretty central. I'm in Koreatown. Um, yeah, it is fun. I moved here on March the 8th of 2020. Oh, wow. Very good. <laughs> your mind, your timing. Uh, the timing, I can't. Um, yeah, but it's good because also like I have three sisters and they all live out here and they have families. And so like my nephews and my nieces are here. And like, so it's been good. It's been a blessing to be out here for the pandemic for that reason. Um, sure. But yeah, it's been so weird to like learn a new city while this I is going imagine. on. Yeah. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland, like right outside of DC. Um, yes. Yeah, and I loved it there. I was a little little suburban kid, and um, it was really, it was just a really sweet place to grow up. And I've often said, like, you know, should I hang it all up and decide, you know what, this isn't for me. I'm going back to Maryland, and I am going to live my very best life there. (laughs) You know, it's it's always there. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's a wonderful place to be. So we've been to Silver Spring, oddly. We saw, you know, I am a um, not closeted One Direction stan. And <laughs> Niall Horan, the Irish member of the group, has a solo career. And he did his first solo tour. And it stopped there at some venue in Silver Spring. Mm, I wonder what that was. Was it outdoor? No, but I think it had an outdoor component if it weren't like winter time merry mm, weather post maybe no but it was cool they had like all these pictures up and records on the walls of every superstar that's ever come through and it was cool yeah. it was cool yeah it was a lovely area it was it's just very you know it's the kind of place that you would hang it all up and go to yeah <laughs> like there's a there's a like a there's um i don't know I, I, I sometimes i look back on it and i'm like that was pretty like like Americana, you know what I mean? It's very like, I mean, you're right outside of DC. So you get a lot of, you get a lot of international folks. So it was like very diverse, but it felt very like, uh, uh, like a Norman Rockwell painting. You wow. know? Oh. Yeah. Okay, very that. Now, okay, we ask all of our guests this question and we've kind of gotten into it, but we were just curious, are you well? I am. In this moment, <laughs> good, good. <laughs> which is to say that, like, you know, I mean, I mean, there's so much going on in the world and and just like there's so much to adjust to all the time. Um, so I'm just taking it like moment by moment. Um, I will say that, like, this time has really gotten me into a space of, with like my, my meditation is right. My like self-care is right. Um, so yes, in this moment, I am well, I have gotten really good at like what that looks like, you know, I love it. 
this time in our lives has been great for prioritizing on maybe the one thing you can sort of control, which is yourself in some ways, you know, perhaps not professionally, but in terms of what you can do on a day-to-day basis is great. And taking things day by day is the only way we're getting through this because no one knows what tomorrow looks like at all. At all. On March 8th, you had no idea that you'd be inside your new home for months and months, you know? (laughs) March 8th, I was like, I'm going to Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) So had you moved, had you moved to try and like do some more film and TV stuff? I mean, you've done a bunch already. That was the plan. Um, And, you know, just coming off of Slave Play, there had been like a lot of people from the West Coast who had come out. I had been having some meetings um, and I, the timing just seemed right. My my reps are all bi-coastal so, and, my, and my family's out here. So it was like, yeah, this is a good time to just like make that, that leap. Um, and also I was like, winter like is kind of not so cute. <laughs> Especially know? in New York, it is bitter, bitter horrible yeah so I was like and I've done it for some for some time so I was like I can handle the winter I don't hate the winter I was just like let me just step away from it for a little bit (laughs) yeah but yeah the plan was yeah to just do more film and tv and uh um and hopefully that's still you know that's still in the air it's just on pause you know absolutely I mean I can see it all for you to be honest with you so (laughs) Because we have been lucky enough to see you, like we mentioned, in a few of your different projects over the years. But of course, most recently, Slave Play, which we we have dissected throughout this. We've been doing this podcast for just about over a year. And it comes up every so often. And I just want to say congratulations on all of the praise and your freaking Tony Award nomination and just your work. We saw it once at New York Theater Workshop. And then we got to see it. We did the rush. So we got to see it in the front row on Broadway, which was insane. We were in the action. (laughs) I know. Yeah, you were. (laughs) And then we saw it during its final week from the mezzanine, which was so cool to see it in a different, different perspective. And it is one of my favorite pieces to have emerged over the last few years. Yeah, it's a, it's special. Like, um, there's a more descriptive word than special, but I uh, will start there. Um, I just remember, you know, the first time I encountered it just being like, you know, I'm a theater nerd too. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I was like, I've never witnessed, read something like this. Just this is, this has its own sort of, I don't know. It had its own uh, like texture or something. Like, I was just like, I don't know where I am. I'm questioning my reality. Like it's, 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 that's really exciting to me in theater, you know? Totally. Oh my God. I remember when we were, we were going to see it, you know, at the workshop, was that 2018, 2017? Uh, I think it was no, 18, 19. 18, 18. I remember, yeah, 18. you know, people were always posting photos on social media of the stage and no one was saying much about it other than like, you've got to go downtown to see slave play. You've got to go down to see slave play. So Actually, I were I interned at New York Theater Workshop for six months, six seven months in 2016. It was the first thing I did when I moved to New York, and I did. Um, I was with on the marketing team for the summer, and then I interned for the former executive assistant of the artistic and managing directors through the fall. So it was like Hades Town was the first thing they did while I was there, 
and it ended with Othello with David Ayelowo and Daniel Craig. So it was a really cool, and there was an interesting play in the middle there. Um, but it was it was such a cool experience. Very interesting to see the the not for profit off Broadway world, and then to move on to I was later on working at a Broadway theater, but very cool, so collaborative. Oh yeah. my god, I loved my experience there. You know, Off-Broadway, I have a deep, deep love for working Off-Broadway. I mean, the only thing that would be cute is if they they paid people to work uh-huh. Off-Broadway. That would be really cool. Um, <laughs> a concept. In, in, terms of, in terms of the work that happens there, in terms of the collaborative uh, like community, I just love being Off-Broadway. I, I think it's... Uh, it's really exciting. It feels like, um, I don't know, it feels like like, eight, like HBO is to like network television as like off-Broadway is to, you know, the commercial theater, right? Uh-huh. Like this, like there's not this beholden, like it doesn't feel like uh, people are really that beholden to like, um, to doing things in, a, in sort of like a very, uh, 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 like square way. People are really interested in like innovating yeah. and um, yeah, and, 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 and sort of going really deep in terms of uh, 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 who they bring in to collaborate as well. Like it, it, I, I really feel like Off-Broadway is really also leading the charge in terms of like diversifying voices mm-hmm. um, in the theater, which I, I yeah. love. You know. So great. Oh my God. Well, oh, my point was anyway, going back to, I got in such a tangent about interning Off-Broadway, but when we went to see Segway, <laughs> I didn't know anything about it and was just frozen in my seat for that, you know, almost two hours, over two hours. It was unlike anything I'd ever seen before, truly. Oh, my God. And we were just, trying, we, you know, had to go back. And when we saw it again on Broadway, I don't know, Dylan, do we want to, like, spoil things? Or is it kind of a well-known spoiler now that, you know, the, fir- the first act of Slave Play is something, it completely mm-hmm. it zooms out in the second half and you're actually let's leave it at that we can leave it at that yeah because i don't want to ruin it for anyone who sees it in the future because i think there's a life for it and there was supposed to be a production on the west coast i believe mm-hmm. yeah so, this past fall yeah I, i'm a never a spoiler queen so i know i do not want that to to be a thing but atsu so you obviously were at yale mm-hmm. as a student when this came into your life right no, actually, I had graduated, oh. and um, I met Jeremy this uh, a year after I graduated, or in the yeah the summer before he was starting. Okay, um, and um, he had replaced me as an actor in a show that we had done at Yale, um, uh, and so he like had been introduced to a bunch of you know uh, my friends from that time, and sort of like. Um, uh, became we, we became friends uh via via that experience and then he went to Yale and you know we kept in touch I had been doing readings for him um since we'd met and uh he was having this second year project up at Yale called Slave Play and I was like let me go check it out and support my friend's work and um a bunch of our friends who had read it had been like, you need to go see this play. <laughs> um, and so I went and I saw it, I saw the student production um, and that was my first encounter with the play. Wow. And yeah. so, so was there a budget? Like, was it like anything like what we ultimately saw at the Golden Theater? 
No, not at all. Okay. Uh, the, the, the student productions at the School of Drama tend to be really sort of like shoestring, which I think ultimately like uh, made the play what it was. You mm-hmm. know, it really it really let um, Jeremy's words and the performances like really uh, carry the play. Right. Oh, and so sure. there was sort of no pyrotechnics, no none of that. Like it was they had the chance to really focus on what they were saying with the play. And so mm. by the time we got to Broadway, the message was very strong. And we got to like toss on some bells and whistles, you know. <laughs> it was does that include Rihanna at that point, or was that always a part of it? Rihanna was always there. Yes, she was. I'm <laughs> Rihanna is in I'm the gagged. DNA of this play. <laughs> she is there. Oh my God. I love it. I remember remember when she went to see it? I'll never forget it. <laughs> like, legitimately, I just remember <laughs> meeting her backstage and being like, is this my life? Is this really my life right now? <laughs> like, is this really happening? Is this goddess standing in front of me? Did she just watch me in this play? Unreal. Did she, what were her reactions? I mean, I imagine everyone had a different buzzword or something to say to you after the show. You know, it's like when you see a friend in a show and if you love it or not, you always say like, you look like you were having fun or it was so great or whatever. Yeah. With this, I'm sure people were like, wow, what was Rihanna's reaction? She was pretty chill about it. I just remember her looking at the two therapists and Uh uh, the woman who played Alana, Annie McNamara, um, and being like, you're a problem. You, you, you're a problem. I just remember. I'm like, yes, <laughs> let her know. She's a problem. Oh God, um, Annie's character was wild. wild. <laughs> Maybe the wildest one in terms of like playing a character. You know, she was, I don't know, Dustin pops off though. Dustin also pops off. He does. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'll say though that like, I'd seen a few versions of that character and I would say that, you know, it's written, she's written as sort of an, like an, an unhinged woman. <laughs> um, but um, Annie, Annie took that and ran with it. You yeah. know what I mean? Annie filled that out in a way that like, I had not seen other people who had played the role do. So wow. Annie's a genius and no two nights were the same. So yes. <laughs> We can attest having seen it multiple that times. Was, that was too. one of the yeah. things we said. We were like, I feel like she plays this different, the lines differently each time. Every single night. You did not know what you were going to get. What a thrill time. ride to be, uh, you know, on stage with her then, you know, it's fresh. It is. It, it is a, yeah, it's a total thrill ride. I'm like definitely one of those actors who's like, I need my shit to be in place. You know what I mean? I can like, I will play inside of it. Um, but I, I do like to sort of set down, I like to do some deep exploration and rehearsals, set down something that I feel like I can follow. And he's like, it's the wild west out here. I don't know what I'm doing night to night. So, are you a Virgo? Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> Same. I get it. No, say no more. Say no more. I am a Virgo, but I'm a very early Virgo. So recently someone was like, you're actually, you actually have a lot of like Leo energy as well. Um, and my moon and my rising are both Leo. So I really feel like there's a lot of Leo energy happening here. But yeah, the Virgo comes out here. I love it. Oh, I love it. Atu, I'm curious about, so because the cast was primarily the same between New York Theatre Workshop and Broadway. Yeah. What was the table work like when you all sat down as a company? 
and read this aloud for the first time. Well, you know, like the structure of the play, it, like you have three two person scenes, right? And so, and my scene with, uh, with, uh, with Dustin comes, you know, third. And so we sit down, you know, at the table, we, we go to read and uh, first up we have uh, off Broadway, it was, uh, it was uh, Tiana Paris and, and Paul Nolan. And so they're, they're up first and they go and, you know, both of those actors are fearless and sort of go balls to the wall. Um, and then you have Annie and Sullivan who are, again, just like, <laughs> they just go all the way with it. And so I feel like the, what was the precedent that was set was like, we're going hard. Like we're doing 110% from yeah, day one. Yeah. <laughs> very Rihanna, very Rihanna of y'all. Very that, very that. Um, and we, and so like, that was really the experience of that table work was like, oh, you're used to sort of like, let me figure the play out at the table, right? Like, let me just like finesse my way in. At least that's my way, right? With this play, it was like, there's no finessing. We are going all the way. We are throwing it at the wall, seeing what sticks. You know, so that was the experience of, of, of table work. It was just like, go hard or go home, pretty much. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. We could talk about Slay Play forever. I mean, I guess I'm just curious, like, what that experience, what you learned the most from playing Gary was. As an actor, I learned uh, the to pace myself, A, and the need to, like, uh, about taking care of myself outside of the role, you know, about really, like, you know, being able to step out of the role and go back into the world. Um, just th- that was one thing I learned as an actor. As a human, I learned just about uh, valuing oneself, you know, mm. about really saying that in, in, in partnership with people uh, specifically, just like really valuing oneself and saying that like, I, I come to this relationship whole, you know, that was a big thing I walked away from that play with. Yeah. That, as you're talking, I'm thinking about the the arc, you know, the Gary and Dustin arc, especially when things really reach a, a breaking point in the second half. That amazing line that you sa- your character says to Dustin, you know, motherfucker, I am the prize. I, I remember yeah. when we saw it downtown, it, I mean, it was like, the, the breath was taken from the room. The air was taken from the room and it really stuck with me. And I actually, I would say, I would, when we would talk about Slave Play, I'd be like, well, there's so, so much good dialogue that you, that it's not dialogue that's just written because they think this, is, you know, Jeremy didn't just write this because it's felt like something that felt right for the scene. This is something that is like lived and experienced and comes from a true place. And it just brilliant, 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 brilliant. I mean, I, that was one of those moments that people, I feel like in the crowd are like, yes, you know? Yeah, it felt like it really reached people. It felt like that sense of uh, 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 finding your own value is just like deeply human, right? It just, it felt like that was something that really connected with people. And on our, let me see if I have, yeah, I have it right here. On our opening night, our producers gave us these little, mirrors that say motherfucker I'm surprised on them that is so cool Dylan's currently choking on coffee or something he's so thrilled that, <laughs> that was such a great 
Oh my god, that's such a good gift. Yeah, yeah. It just and I just I just remember. I remember from like the beginning being like, I feel so lucky that I get to say this yeah. line. You know, there was so much to say in the play, but there was something that just felt like. I don't know. I was writing some sort of like magic that was like really reaching people. So yeah, I felt really, really lucky that I got to oh, say I those words. Well, your performance night. was so powerful and impactful. So thank you for giving us Gary. Oh wait, there's something else I need to say about Slave Play. Your relationship dynamic with James was so beautiful. It felt as if the two of you oh, yeah. were really in a relationship. You know what I mean? Like the little things, like even when he'd like look over at you when you're sitting in the chairs, or you know, it was just so, I mean, especially since we got to see it a couple of times, but so great. Oh my God. Well, yeah. James and I have been friends for uh, eight years now. Um, we, he, we were in the same class in grad school. Um, we, uh, we really got to build a, uh, 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 relationship um, and that really served the characters I mean we've done drag together we've, ah. like, we've done it all you know like it's been a, I feel very very fortunate to have had that experience with him and to have someone uh, who's who's a, an amazing scene partner but also like such a beautiful friend you know so oh. yeah how unique yeah it really really is did you give yourselves drag names Yes. Uh, James is, is Charisma Kusache. <laughs> and mine is Grace Moans. Grace Jones. That's perfect. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, my Did God. Did you look like, you probably looked like Grace Jones in drag. I'm serving you a heavy Grace Jones vibe. I'm <laughs> shaking. Are there photos out there? <laughs> They're out there. They're, they're out there. One, one could find them. One could find. All right. All right. We did extensive research on you and I'm shocked we didn't find any photos. So I'm shaking. I'm not going to like tell you exactly what to Google because it's much more fun for you to just happen upon them. All right. I love yes. it. I love it so much. Um, okay. So you had been on Broadway, obviously, two times prior to Slave Play. And I guess I'm curious what the experience of being a Black man in a play about race was like versus the previous times or even any time you're on stage i know that we've sort of come into this reckoning this past year but yeah. i'm curious what things were like you know last year like in 2019 into 20 when slave play was playing yeah you know i there's a part of uh of oneself i feel like during this reckoning there's been a lot of like uh an acknowledgement about the uh, about sort of these dual roles that i feel like a lot of black actors play right they come into the theater they play the role but there's also the role of like being a black person in a predominantly white institution there's sort of like certain um ways of being that um i feel like have been encouraged um mm. by 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 merit of that fact um i felt like with slave play i was given uh permission i or at least i gave myself permission to sort of uh be free you know mm. to drop that performance you know to uh to be as authentic as possible. The role was calling for that. The themes of the play were calling for that. My life was ready for that. You know, so I just, I, I feel like there was a lot of uh, just authenticity that was allowed to just come out, you know? Yeah. 
Wow. That's beautiful. And that's, that's a rare experience that I hope is becoming more normal. You know what I mean? I hope that more people get to experience that. Black people. Yes. It's just important. It's just a, like, and the thing that really, really put me over in Slave Play were those blackout nights where we got to perform the play for a predominantly Black audience. And being this far into a career and having that experience is just, it's mind blowing, you know, it's really, really mind blowing um, to feel like um, sort of on a 360 level, you're being, you're just being received in a way that you can sort of like relax into. Yeah. You know? mm. I have chills thinking about how when the play ends, slash even when it begins and there's the mirrors reflecting back and for a black audience to see themselves reflected back, it's a whole different level of, you know, Connor and I being white, two white gays who host this podcast. And every time we saw it, the majority of the people looking back in that mirror were white. And so I can imagine the layers of those blackout nights and how powerful that was. It was, it was really, it was very affirming. I think that was the biggest thing for me. Mm. And also gave me the permission, like, when it's not that, you, I can carry the feeling of that forward, you know? I don't have to, like, sort of revert to this feeling that I need to, uh, I don't know, hide or, or that I don't have permission in, 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 in an audience that's not predominantly Black. I can carry that feeling forward. Wow. That's amazing. We were talking about this on the podcast recently, but it's interesting to think about the theater, specifically the Broadway shows that were playing before the shutdown and wondering what it would have been like had they been still playing on Broadway, you know, after George Floyd was murdered. And finally, white people around the country were taking a hard look at the way they treat black people, how they speak the unlearning that had to happen. And, you know, slave play had polarizing parts to it. And I wonder if how would just how it would have been, you know, received if it would have been received differently in July, 2020, you know? Yeah. I, I, I definitely think it would have, we're having a completely different conversation around race, right? Like mm -hmm. the reception of slave play on some levels had a lot to do with like, there was still a little bit of that, the bit of that argument of like, there was a twinge of like, well, get over it. That like, it, it was, that wasn't explicitly stated, you know, but it felt like a lot of the pushback that, that it was coming from a place of like denial and or resistance to, to, to the truths that this play was exploring. Whereas like what happened this summer, what's been happening, but what was very highlighted this summer, um, kind of laid bare that like, no, this isn't, this isn't conjecture, this is fact, <laughs> you know? And so I feel like the play, yeah, the play would have been received completely differently, especially with like everyone having to really reckon, really, really, really deal, deal with uh, America's original sin, you know? Yeah. Um, well, thank you for your work. Thank you for talking to us about it because we have never been able to speak with anyone who's been a part of Slave Play. So it's, it's really an honor to talk to you about this, but, um, and also sweeping the Tonys because it's going to happen. So <laughs> <laughs> when are these Tonys? Who I, babe, that is my, that is my dose of drama that I'll say for the end, but like, <laughs> oh my God.
Okay, Connor, why don't you why don't you ask him the question? Because there's so much else I want to get into. We didn't even ask ask you about your ring of keys moment, which is a question we ask all of our guests about perhaps that moment of recognition when they realized they wanted to be a part of the arts. Do you feel like you had a ring of keys or multiple ring of keys moments? I've had multiple ring of keys moments. Like when it when it comes to like being like, this was the moment that I was like, I'm gonna do this with my life. It goes back probably the first play I did I was in second grade. I played Johnny Appleseed. <gasps> Work. <laughs> yeah, I just remember like I was such a shy kid. Uh, I was such an introvert. And in many ways, like I still very much am an introvert. But there's something about being on stage that I'm like, I, I come alive, right? I felt, I felt most myself on that stage mm. with that little pot on my head playing Johnny Appleseed, <laughs> you know? Um, so that was like the first ring of keys moment. And I can think of another one where I was like, no, I'm, no, I'm, 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 I'm doubling down. I'm going, I'm going really like all the way in. And that was seeing the Deaf West production of Big River and Michael McElroy's performance was actually transcendent. (laughs) Um, and just being like, just understanding how impactful theater could be you know um I remember the moment where there I think it was waiting for the light to shine where the last chorus they the music completely cut out and they signed that last chorus in silence goosebumps full goosebumps um and I just uh I just remember sort of being like I can still hear the mute like the music is still living within me and like there's just something about uh how impactful I think that this medium actually is. So that, yeah, that was, that was, that was the second sort of ring of keys moment for me. Oof, I have full body chills, or as we call them FBCs. Oh, those are the moments you can't, they don't, they don't come around that often, you know? They really don't. I'll never forget it. And uh, I haven't met Michael McElroy yet. And when I do, I will gush. Yes. <laughs> Talk about a legend who, I don't know if he's gotten his flowers in the way that he's supposed to. Like, I mean. He hasn't. I really, yeah. I don't like, I think he is a transcendent performer. His voice, mm-hmm. his presence, all of it. Like, I, yeah, you see his heart through his work, I feel like. And yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm such a fan. Oh yeah. I know he did rent for a long time and he, he, isn't he the force behind Broadway inspirational voices? Very much is. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, that's so cool. And I love that he was there for so many people to see that production. I mean, some people think that the Spring Awakening was the first Deaf West Broadway endeavor, but it was, it was Big River. It was Big River. It sure was. I'm jealous that you got to see that. (laughs) Oh my God. It was so good. It was so good. What was your first Broadway show that you saw? My God. Um, Contact. Oh, wow. At Lincoln Center. Yeah. How wild. It's one of those best musicals that I don't know if we'll ever see again. You know, it's, it was one of those things. I know. It was like, um, I, uh, I just loved how prevalent dance was in, in that mm. particular piece. At that point, I was such a musical theater nerd. Um, and I hadn't really seen a piece with like dance as a sort of like prevalent uh, uh, mode of storytelling. And I, I love that. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Now, one of our favorite shows of all time is hair and you were in the requisite production of hair. I mean, they can try and do it again. I don't know what, what they're going to do. 
what was that like? I mean, talk about another like provocative piece before like, you know. <laughs> it was really, really special. It was my first professional job. Like I was so spoiled on that <laughs> show. Like I like, le- I left that show believing that like, that's how theater is. That's like, you come into you come into like this theatrical family and everybody loves each other and you all just like get to night after night make theater with your very best friends you know what i mean and like that's not how it is it's sometimes like that but like we loved each other you know there was so much love in that piece so it um it got me my equity card it took me to the west end like i yes. am yeah, I'm so I'm so so grateful to that show and to that production. You're on stage like the whole time for hair. Was pretty much. Was it exhausting? Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> it was so exhausting. It was so and like we were all over the Hirschfeld Theater. Like we ran out into the audience, we were climbing ladders. I remember that. Running up and down stairs. Like it was a workout for sure um but there was so much joy in it and like i loved doing it so much that like it didn't while it was physically exhausting like i always had the fuel you know because i loved doing it and i loved the people i was doing it with you know harris like when into you by ariana comes on in the club and all your friends all of a sudden come gathering together in that show every time the next song starts i can imagine that energy coming up again because it is bop after bop. I mean, if you could call those bops, but you know what I mean? Um, was there a certain moment in the show you would look forward to every night? Um, there were two. Walking in Space, like, I love that piece of music. It was the it was a piece I auditioned for the show with. Like, I just love that song. Um, and then the, the, the trip is just fun because, like, it's you get on that train and, like, you ride it till the wheels fall off. Um, but the moment I looked forward to every single, well, okay, there's another one. But Sasha Allen is the moment. Like, period. Sasha Allen is the moment that the I moment. looked forward to every night. Um, it was when when she started with white boys. I'd be like, I'm. let me just stay here and go for it, Sasha. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, when we're singing Let the Sunshine In, and Sasha just goes off, I'm like, I every night, something just would go through me, you know? Yes. There was also like the the level of consciousness around like I had uh, watched camp and been like, oh, my God, oh, my God, like geeked out about this movie. And I was standing on stage with this woman who's like uh-huh. one of my favorite voices of all time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was anytime Sasha Allen opened her mouth, it was like that was that was the moment. <laughs> oh, my God. That whole cast. I mean, we've had you, Michael James Scott, Jay Johnson, Jackie Burns, all these different tribe members. And you all just light up when you talk about that legendary production. We are still in a group text. You know what I mean? Like how many years <laughs> later that group text is still active? Like there is a there is a lot of love there. Like I feel like they didn't they didn't cast a tribe so much as they like built a family. Mm. I feel like Heidi Griffiths and Jordan Thaler were really about like, what are the energies we want in this play, in this, in this musical? And like, how, how can we bring those energies together? And they did a great job of, of that. 
They really did. I've oh got to ask the new the nudity aspect, which was so controversial at the time. I mean, everyone was like, oh, is that the play where they get naked? And it's actually done in such a beautiful taste. It's very, very well done. Was that horrifying at first as an actor? No, I mean, the first time I really ever did it was on the Delacorte stage. So like, okay. I was like outside under the stars, like feeling the breeze against my body like it was like (laughs) it was gorgeous actually um and the only time it was sort of a a little anxiety inducing was when my parents were in the audience. (laughs) I could imagine. Oh my God. I remember being, that was like around the time. I mean, I think it was after spring awakening, but of course was obsessed with Jonathan Groff. And then he did it in the park. And we were like, Dylan and I were like closeted gay, but we were like, we've got to see Jonathan Groff get naked in hair. And then, you know, the face crack of the century, when we found out he actually didn't get naked. <laughs> yeah, Claude, Claude does not get, Claude decides to uh, go elsewhere. Yeah. So the character of Claude never gets naked. Yeah. Yeah. But he's even more yeah. heartbreaking for Connor when Gavin Creel did it and he didn't get to see that moment. <laughs> Wait, speaking, this is something I forgot to ask about with Slave Play as well. Did your sisters or your family come and see that show? I mean, because you orgasm on stage in that one. I sure do. Um, I had a little sit down with my mom and dad and I was like, you guys don't have to see this one. Like, you, like you, this, is, this is one you guys can skip out on. Mostly because like, um, I love my parents very much, but they are, they are on, on some levels, they're a little conservative. So um, I was like, we'll just save both of us this conversation. Yeah. But I'm really close with my siblings. So like my sisters saw the play and I felt really comfortable doing the work I had to do and orgasming in front of them just because like, (laughs) I don't know, like, you know, we talk about the real stuff, me and my sisters, you know? So they, uh, there's, there's no sort of like weirdness around like, oh, like there's no topic that's taboo with my sisters. Mm -hmm. So that felt totally okay. I love it. I just remembered when we saw slave play each time the first time we were there on broadway we saw audra mcdonald in the crowd and the second time we saw christine baranski so then my satisfaction came when my one of my favorite shows truly the good fight did a slave play inspired episode but also you've been on the good fight yeah i have been on the good fight they're they're a fun little crew over there too um there's so many theater actors who do that chill and you can feel it on the set you know the difference between a set that like is prime is primarily theater folks it, it just like there's a feel there's a little bit more of like a i don't know collaborative familiar family feel um yeah and the good fight definitely had that too i love that Wait, what, have, what have you been binge watching in quarantine are you a tv watcher i am a tv watcher to my benefit and detriment sometimes. (laughs) I just be on that couch sometimes. Sometimes I'm just like, I need to get up (laughs) off this couch. Um, But what have I been binge watching so much? Uh, Two Weeks to Live on HBO. Have you seen this show with Maisie Williams? good things. No. Oh my God, it's so good. Definitely check that one out. Um, I just, I'm late to the party, but I just started binge watching uh, P-Valley. Um... I haven't seen it, but again, I've heard it's great. 
It is so great. Um, Katori Hall, Tony nominee for uh, yes. for uh, for uh, Tina, um, and uh, she, she. I saw an interview with her where she talks about how she researched. She was researching the play. Uh, it was it's it's based on a play for six years, and you really feel the like authenticity of that research when you watch it. You're like, I am, I am. It feels like a little slice of life, you know. It's wow. like, like there are moments where it's like a little soap opera-y, which I love, but at the same time, the authenticity is like so there. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. Oh my God, oh, I'm gonna that. have to check it out. I'm curious, cause you've been in so many different, especially TV and obviously Netflix and different things like that. Do you watch yourself ever? I avoid that, yeah, yeah. I do. I mean, at this point, I'm, who knows? I think down the road is like, I evolve as a human and actor. Like it, it may get to the point where I'm like, yes, let's check the work out. But ultimately I'm like, I, that puts me in a place where I'm like, I, I can be really judgmental and then be like, well, mm-hmm. what might someone have thought? And I, that's not a place I really need to put myself. Hmm. So I, I steer away from watching myself. Yeah. Well, we watch you and you're fantastic. So, oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So, we are wrapping up and we like to end on a dose of drama. It could be a pop culture recommendation, something happening in the world, something happening in your personal life that you want to leave the listeners in this conversation on a perhaps dramatic note. I'm going to start because I am feeling dramatic about something. I mean, aside from, I hope at the time of release, Trump's been impeached, but. Other than that, the other thing that I think about all the time is that moment of pure hopefulness I felt when I saw my friends who were frontline workers getting the vaccine. And I was like, it's happening. In March, I never thought this moment would be happening so soon. But it seems as if the vaccine rollout is going very slowly. And I just... Why can't we figure this out, America? My friend has a friend who's in Australia, and I guess he said it feels very like February of 2020 over there. Just you know, the va- the virus is kind of just not around. And I wish that we could kick coronavirus in the butt. And I, I know the vaccine is, I, I mean, I have to believe that it's one of the big answers, but can we speed this up? Biden-Harris administration, we need you. They will, that's their plan. And the first one, like I just saw Kamala tweet that that's their thing in the first 100 days. I mean, I don't even care so much about me getting it, but I just want everyone who's like, working out in, you know, in that's in the world every day to be safe, you know? Goodness. I think it's rolling out slowly because like, did we do all the research on this? Like, <laughs> do we know that this is okay? Like, I'm a little like suspect. Yeah. I'm, oh my God. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little suspect. <laughs> we had a segment towards the end of 2019 or 2020 on the podcast where it was we were asking guests if they would take the vaccine or not. And we decided to retire the, uh, <laughs> the segment. <laughs> we thought it was funny, but we got some feedback that it felt like almost too controversial to like put people on the spot about the vaccine. And we were like, we don't actually care. We just thought it was kind of like fun. But... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel you. Uh, yeah, I would have been game to answer that. And the answer would have been, I'm thinking, I'm not, you, you, I'll get the second round. You know what I mean? <laughs> after we figured out what, what this does, after we figured out this makes people zombies or what, like, like, yeah. like. Never know. That's so funny. Oh, that's funny. Okay, my dose of drama is something that Atu brought up earlier. And it's that, what is happening with the Tony Awards? Why does everything with the theater community have to be such a goddamn secret all the time? And everything is like unorganized, as small of a community as we are, like just 
tell us this is like our life you know like we we thrive on these things and we need i mean we have a nominee sitting before us who wants to know when he should pick out a suit because it's probably what they're gonna do they're probably waiting until june so it can be a commercial for the reopening of broadway or july whatever and that's fine and dandy just tell us because instead we just have the angry mob of twitter wondering what's happening Amen. Amen. <laughs> I want you to safely be able to be at the ceremony in person. I want that too. I, de- I, I definitely do. I just like, what's not cute is like, we already are in this uncertain moment. Why do you need to add all this other uncertainty? Like, <laughs> I wonder if they've, do you think they've voted yet? Or do you think that it'll just be like at the time of voting, they'll think, Oh, I think this is who I liked the best. I think they've, I hope they voted. Yeah, I think they voted. I really, at this point, I hope they voted. And like, they're just waiting to figure out when the actual broadcast will be. Um, Mm -hmm. From what I understand, they also, yeah, you're you're spot on with the fact that they probably want it to be a commercial for like the reopening of Broadway, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So they wanted to have the maximum impact. So that means they wanted to be in person and broadcast. So I totally, I get that. Just like inform the kids, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> we have not much else to live for us theater kids. So we're just waiting for another virtual production of something. So. <laughs> oh my word. Um, my, okay. I'm, my little dose of drama. It's not so much drama as it is like a pop culture um, uh, uh, recommendation. Right. Y'all. Listen to Jasmine Sullivan's album now. Okay, you are the third person to tell me this. Do it now. Do it now. The vocals, the authenticity, that she goes all the way in. I'm really here for it. Okay. Listen to this album immediately. <laughs> uh, uh, pick up your feelings, honey. Ooh. My, I'm enduring. I, like I, I am going through my own specific, my own heartbreak right now. Uh, not to like spill too much tea. No, no, yeah. But it is really, it's getting me through. You know. So it's the feel. It's like a heavy. It's like feels music. Yeah. No, it's not feels music. It's like it's like um, I'm done with the feels. I am that bitch. You know what I oh, mean? Yes. Oh my god. Okay. I'm adding it. I'm going on Spotify after we hang up. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Uh, I, I would highly recommend. Amazing. Well, we love that. And we love you. We are so thankful, Atu, for your time. This was so fun. Like, other than the stress of the world, like, this is such a nice escape. It really is. And I, th- I thank you for, like, inviting me into this escape. I really needed it. Aw, yes. Well, I hope that we can hang out in real life, maybe on the West Coast. Yeah, come through. through. Come <laughs> through. It's, it's sunny. It's wonderful. I am... Uh, I will be going to the beach this week. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's God. cute. So fun. <laughs> 26 degrees where we are here today. So where are you guys, by the way? Cleveland. We're in Cleveland. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yes, we fled the city and we're just chilling here in our childhood home. <laughs> well done. Well yeah. done. Yes. Oh, yeah. So everyone should follow Atu at A Blanks and Wood on Instagram, right? Not on Twitter? Yes, on Instagram. Instagram? And follow us at the Drama Podcast at me at Connor McDowell, Dylan at Dylan McDowell. Atu, you're a gem we love. Thank you guys for having me. Much love to you guys. Yes. All right. And Connor, we'll see you next time. Drama. Drama.